You are listening to the Rising Phoenix podcast. This is a podcast about maternal mental health. Disclaimer, we are not professionals. We are moms who've experienced this ourselves and want to share our stories and stop the stigma. Heads up, some content may be triggering. We are recording from the Stone Sheba podcast studio in Provo, Utah. Check them out on Instagram for more info on our podcast and more. Hey friends, this is Leslie and I am here with Denise Wiesner. She is the author of Conceiving with Love and licensed acupuncturist and intimacy coach. So I'm so excited to have you with us to share your expertise, your story, um, and just your perspective on intimacy and having children and how all of that just affects everything. So we're honored to have you. Yeah, I'm really excited. Thank you. I'm so, I'm so happy to be here. So tell us kind of how this whole journey started for you. How did you get into this, this niche, this, this, I don't know, like, how did you go from acupuncture to conceiving with love, intimacy coach, becoming a mom? Where did all this start for you? It it started kind of in my own struggles to try to have a baby. Uh, I was trying to have a baby as an acupuncturist and my first one I had naturally, but it's really was secondary infertility. And it, it took me like a year and a half and, and I started going to all these alternative practitioners and I really just, it's all my focus. I'm sure I was not really focused on my relationship very much <laughs> because I was very committed to having a baby and I already had one baby. So this was like secondary. Um, and we, we went away one weekend to, to a, to a place near us, Ohio, and it was like ovulation window, and I was gonna, we were gonna make a baby there. At least I was gonna make a baby, right? And um, I don't know if you know what a sweat lodge is, but it's kind of like a Native American, right, where you go into this kind of teepee and you sweat. And somehow we 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 got into, we were staying at a, at a property with on these yurts, and they were gonna have a sweat lodge. So like lo and behold, we're sort of involved in you know, making tobacco ties and we're involved in making the sweat lodge. And then we get to go into the sweat lodge. I stayed a little bit with my five-year-old and then I was like, I got to get out of here. And and my husband stayed in the, the whole time and they came and got me because he almost passed out. Oh, wow. And and he was laying on this TP and I'm, and I'm supposed to be like major compassionate, like, oh, oh, you know, I'm so like, he's just really passed out. I'm supposed to give him water and sip it. And instead, I'm like really upset with him because I'm like, you killed your sperm. You killed your sperm. We're supposed to make a baby. What's going on? <laughs> and it was kind of at that moment that I realized I really like making a baby took like center stage and I was losing kind of my relationship like I wasn't focused on that at all it was really a means to get me this second child so I started becoming much more involved in fertility and I already was treating a lot of infertility at that time as well and then when I started talking to women about fertility and their fertility journeys and they started opening up to me and telling me about their issues and their husband's issues and their really personal issues intimacy sexuality and 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 lack thereof and some women were even doing IVF because they weren't having any uh, connection with their husbands. And some of the reason was because the fertility journey was so difficult that sex became so awful that they didn't want to have it anymore. Mm-hmm. Like it was associated with failure or loss, right? Because, you know, sometimes, you know, you have a lot of miscarriages and you have loss and people have a difficult time, both men and women, trying to figure out how to navigate that together. So that just became my journey. And 
I thought, God, everybody's telling me about their sex life and what's going on or not going on. I better, I better get some education on this. So I became, I took a, I became a certified sex coach and really delved into sexuality and intimacy. And then wrote a book on it, and then looked at. I did a lot of like a lot of Eastern traditions. I did took tantra classes and Taoist practices, and trying to figure out how we can keep that loving connection with ourselves and with our partner. Yeah, and I, it's so interesting because I do feel like even from my experience, like trying to conceive, it, it really does just become a business, you know. And then after you have a baby, the last thing you want to do is, you know, have a connection and intimacy with your spouse. And I know for a fact, multiple friends of mine, after they have their baby, they hate their husband for a while, you know? And especially when you throw in the mix any kind of mental health. And so it's, I would love to hear your perspective on pre, you know, before when you, when you're trying to get pregnant, but also postpartum, kind of what, what you see the most from that. So funny because I talk to my patients a lot who don't have kids about fixing sort of the issues in their marriage now before they have kids. And the reason I do that is because people somehow have this idea that once you have kids, it kind of fixes everything, you know, mm-hmm. or they are they're just not prepared. I mean, I don't think I was to what motherhood really is mm-hmm. and the amount of energy and the amount of like, you know, energy that goes to your, your, your person, your baby. And, and what's left over for yourself, and in addition, how do you care for your partner also? How do you keep that afloat, right? So it starts really preconception. If you, if you can, people don't, can't always fix like issues preconception, but it starts preconception in, in trying to address issues in the relationship, you know, where, where people have, you know, sometimes it just boils down to communication, mm-hmm. where we're actually open and available to talk about what's going on, right? or know what's going on with with ourselves. So I think it's preconception, but if you can't, I think there's many more challenges postpartum. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I had two kids and, you know, I remember I, I was like, oh, sleep is my lover. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, really, it was the first lover. Like, don't come between me and sleep, right? right? Because I was so, right? And I think women are made that way. I mean, we're made really to take care of our babies. That's our number one priority. And, you know, babies are up in our face and like touch and our, our touch quotient, like our body is not our own anymore, right? And then it's like, and there's your partner who's like, what about me? <laughs> you know, and it's like, Seriously. oh, wait, I've been touched out. So it, it's, it, and having been there, I know that. So I think it's really um, trying to find a way to kind of get, back into what intimacy really means and connection really means and how do we communicate with our partners both you know for, with when we're having fertility challenges and also postpartum how do we communicate what's going on and how do we also have flexibility to give and receive in 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 that postpartum period and sometimes postpartum periods like okay like the first the first three months I granted or first three to four months yeah you know, women are out. We're just, we're just trying to yeah. figure out our own bodies. You know, I mean, it's just, it's just how it is, right? Yep. And men have to sort of, we have to communicate that or we're with a male partner or whoever we're with. Then we get to like four to six months. We have to sort of figure out how to keep that relationship alive because it can, it, it, it can, you know, we have to attend because it's a relationship. It's a give and take, even if we don't necessarily feel it. Yes. Yeah. And, um, and that's, that's hormones and breastfeeding and postpartum is a little different than fertility. 
but it's hormones, breastfeeding, and figuring out how to be like redefining intimacy until we stop breastfeeding, and we or until our our child gets older, and then we sort of regain ourselves again. Right, because, you know, postpartum, you're like, what happened to my body? I remember, like, looking at my body and going, what happened? Yeah, and you don't feel <laughs> good about your body. Like, yeah. Yeah, you just go, like, what happened to me? And I wasn't, I think a lot of it was, and I think for a lot of women, especially if they're struggling with fertility, is that we're not very prepared. Yeah. You know, we're so, if we're, if we're struggling with fertility or we've had loss in the fertility journey, it's so focused on getting that baby that there's no thought of like actually when we have that baby, what it's going to be like. Don't you agree? Oh, so true. It's so true. Yeah, it's like we don't take classes or no one tells us, you know, that we have to, you know, that there's really an intention to, you know, taking care of ourselves and being patient and loving ourselves. And if our bodies change, loving that and, you know, just really a deep dive into taking care of our own self mentally, emotionally, physically, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And how, how do you, like, what percentage, just as a guess, would you think of women out there that have those struggles with the um, intimacy after they have their baby? Would you feel like is, what majority of them would you feel like is because they don't love their body? Because they're uncomfortable with their stomach or their breasts or whatever, just don't look the same. Do you think that contributes a large part to it? I, you know, I think, I think there must be that, you know, after the like sort of three to four months have gone by, because I think, again, I think we're really wired to be like, you know, it probably a long time ago, our first part is to take care of a baby. Like, it's like, you know, it's the mother brain that turns on. It's not the like, Ooh, I'm sexy woman. (laughs) Right. It's the the mother brain. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, It's sort of, it's the, it's the, and then we have to sort of reclaim her again. Yeah. And it's, and it is sort of like, you know, Funny thing, I got married, and it was four months after I had a baby. I got married after I had a baby, kind of did it backwards. But you know what? My baby was in my wedding. He was four months old. And at that time, I, like the breastfeeding wasn't happening because he had like a tongue thrust and blah, blah, blah. And I, you know, he went to our like honeymoon <laughs> with us, you know? Yeah. And on my wedding dress, I have formula stains. Even to this day, <laughs> I'm like formula stains. Now, that's just not sexy. No. No. <laughs> But I, I did, like, and then it was like, we had our honeymoon kind of thing, and then it was like, you know, but the baby was in our room. I mean, you know, it was it's the same thing, right? So I think it's kind of, you have to laugh at it all, right? I think yeah. humor. So you asked me what percentage of women. I think it's a lot higher than we know. Don't yeah, you? I do. I feel that way. Mm-hmm. I think people don't talk about it because there's a lot of shame around a body image, how we feel in our body, obligation to partners. And it's just a, it's just a funny topic to talk about, right? To talk about sexuality, intimacy, our bodies. Women are, you know, we've been taught for a lot, at least my generation is taught like, oh, you know, if you don't have the perfect body, you know, oh, you're, you're not okay. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. so true. Um, what do you see the most of as far as what gets in our way as women from intimacy? What do you think is the most common denominator? I think it's, I think it's our, it's our, uh, you know what I think? I think it's really about feeling good about who we are, mm-hmm. you know, like feeling good in our bodies. There's always like this comparison and there's this feeling of it. A lot of women I talk to are very feeling like, even if they have great bodies are feeling bad in their bodies. I think body image is huge. Don't you? I do. I do. Because I mean, it's to me, I feel like it's, it's the most vulnerable you can be and it's completely giving yourself to someone, you know, where it is yeah. the ultimate emotionally and physically 
naked, right? Like you're just, you're all of it, you know? Yeah, so. yeah. And, and I think it's like you're talking about this idea of like <clears throat> when you're, before you give birth, you know, your stomach looks a little different than after you give birth. It just changes, right? Mm-hmm. And we're not prepared to like love those to like, I like love like, you know, my, my little loose skin on my belly. It's very, you know, as much as I work out, you know, many years later, it still kind of hangs when I do yoga. And I, you know, it's just, but I have these beautiful children. Yeah. So, you know, what's our definition of sexy, you know? Yep. And, you know, in, in different cultures, I think the U.S. is, is really bad about it. But in different cultures, women of all sizes and shapes, like I've watched women, you know, voluptuous women, like, really feel good in their bodies and they are sexy mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. so it's it's this image of our body and how we feel in it and and the love so I think that's a really huge especially postpartum when your body's changed you're like oh my husband doesn't want to and my breasts look different and my you know I have some stretch marks you know is that sexy but it is because we 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 sexy is like what happens in our brains sexy is how we feel about ourselves it's not not just exactly you know what your skin looks like right don't you I mean you see a woman who's really self-confident and is beautiful it's like wow she she really feels good in her body and you can feel like people are attracted to her yeah and that's I think we have to gain that I agree and I think I mean I dare say second to that would be you know your the unsaid words with your spouse like you said or your partner whoever that you're being intimate with but whoever it is is that the wall of like maybe resentment with fertility or, or not helping with the baby or whatever that I would say is probably what you see a lot yes. of too. Yeah. And it's still and, so know, hard it, to get past that. It's, it's, it's about um, how we communicate with our partners. And even I am still working on this. You yeah. know? <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's practice of, of not holding resentments yeah. and, and learning to communicate about what we like and, and what we don't like. And if we're talking about intimacy and sexuality, uh, I feel like that's an area where people don't communicate. So they'd rather avoid the whole thing than to actually say, you know what, I've changed a little bit. And I'd love a little bit more foreplay. Like, in fact, it's going to take me like 20 to 30 minutes of arousal time <laughs> to feel like I want to have intercourse. Yeah. And, you know, and, and I think that's a that's if we watch media, like I'm, I'm watching all these TV shows on Netflix and um, you know, they're men and women, or I don't know, maybe women and women, but it's very, very soon to have intercourse. There's not a lot of foreplay. In fact, there's usually nothing. There's, they're usually bam doing it. And I'm like, God, wow, that's such a bad message for men. It's not like that for women or most women. It's like 20 to 30 minutes of arousal mm-hmm. so that women can actually feel desire. So um, that's like one of the most important messages I could give is that Women aren't, and especially when you've got a lot of things on your mind, like you're taking care of a baby, maybe, you know, you had to wash the dishes and, or you're working and you come home and you're like, okay, now, and, and, you know, your partner taps you, it's like, you know, do you want to have sex? It's like, oh, no, no, I don't want to have sex. I want to go to bed. I don't want to have sex. (laughs) But, but the thing about women is that if you like kiss the back of my neck and you offer to, and you and you offer to take out the garbage, no. If you if you kiss the back of my neck and you know you wanna and you like wanna massage my face and touch me and caress me and gently, I might be like, oh, oh, I I, I am noticing that I would like to do this, yeah? yeah. So once women get started, if you ask most women, they're usually great. It's the getting started 
moment that's hard for women I would say like postpartum or you know even fertility wise um, but it's it's getting in the mood you women need that arousal they need that foreplay and it doesn't necessarily mean you know foreplay like genital foreplay it might mean just spending time with their partner like doing some intimate thing they need the connection so it's not like we had a busy day we take care of the kids we put the kids to bed boom we're in bed let's have sex yeah <laughs> right yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's sort of like there's got to be a sort of um, um, sensuous moment, I want to say. Yeah, I like that. I really like that. And I think I think I'm curious to hear what you feel like is at least for what you've experienced and what you've seen and heard. What do you feel like is the most successful way to reconnect? Because I feel like, you know, like you said, communication and to, you know, kind of work through things during the day to kind of groom to get there but like ultimately what do you feel like is the best way to reconnect with that side of yourself oh for personally to reconnect with yourself not with your your person yeah i think the best way to uh, the best way to is is to develop it's i I call it like a self-love practice like you're gonna have a love affair with self so it's this it's you know i think what happens to women postpartum and it happened to me too is that like I just wanted to be in a t-shirt. I forgot to like take a bath because I was so tired. It's like I forgot to attend to myself to do things like maybe get a massage or, you know, get my hair cut. I mean, um, it's like, it's like really having a love affair with self Mm -hmm. is the best, which means like when you're looking in the mirror, you're like, I am beautiful. You know, my body is like my house is my, 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 um, my heart houses my soul, you know, it's to connect with love love for self, for the deepest part of this, this changeable thing we call our bodies, to just talk about the temporary, to talk, to feel into the temporary nature of it all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I say to myself, this is just temp- like this, this extra weight on my belly, like it's temporary, you know, and I, and I'm so grateful, you know, it's just shifting our awareness to ourselves. So it's, it's really about self-care, self-care, self-care. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I love that self-care looks different for everybody. I feel like there's there's a stigma out there that self-care has to be this eight-hour routine. You know, in, in reality, it is just as simple as looking at yourself in the mirror in the morning and saying, I am beautiful. I created a child. Yeah, I gave, yes. I gave yes. birth, and I'm beautiful. And even if it's yeah. one little bit at a time, we all have time for that, you know? Yeah, you know, funny thing is, uh, you know, I, I, I speak with a lot of men also, and and, you know, everybody, again, you've mentioned a great point. Everyone's different. But, you know, women pick apart their bodies. You know, I have a woman who just had a big surgery and to, to take care of extra weight around her belly, like a tummy tuck. But now she has a scar, like, all around her. And now there's, like, the skin folds. She doesn't even like the way the skin hangs over that. And, you know, and I just know her husband loves her. And, that like, that little scar thing, like, I don't think he... I don't think he's like thinking like, oh, I'm not going to be attracted to her now. She has a scar here. You know, mm-hmm. we're so critical and the, our partners usually love us. And if we felt good in our body, then they probably would. You know what I mean? Oh, like I the, it's, it's, it's so about us. It's about what goes on inside. Yeah. And, and, and I know it's more enjoyable for either side if you're both in it, if you're both connected to it. Right. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it takes, it's like, it's baby steps, right? It's like, it is, it could be, it could be taking a walk. Self-care could be like taking a 20 minute walk around the block. Mm-hmm. You know, I used to take a walk every day with my baby, like at 10 a.m. or 
whatever. It was like my self time. I mean, it, it was with my baby stroller, but it was the most glorious thing. It was like getting outside, taking a walk, breathing some air, you know, and it was some movement, which really made me feel a lot better. So I feel like that's, you know, that was simple. That was important. And it, and it didn't take me, you know, away from my child. I sort of incorporated my child into the self care moment. Yeah. And so kind of walk us through what you do as far as coaching goes, because for anybody out there that's listening, you know, you are an intimacy coach and anyone that wants to, you know, figure out what that looks like for them or maybe, maybe come and meet with you. Yeah. I mean, I, I do, I do in person and I also do like, like we're doing a, a, a call or on online. And what we do is I have people fill out a questionnaire and talk about what's going on. And then we, we, we talk about, you know, I can meet with a couple, which is my favorite, but I can also do just with the, with the one partner and we just go, we just go into it, you know, and I might give suggestions because I'm, I come from Chinese medicine and I might give uh, suggestions about things like nutrition, you know, and how that affects things or maybe herbs or vitamins or things to help libido or, um, and then in ways for them to connect with themselves and, and also with their partner. And then sometimes I get that. I, I love getting the partners together and it's really all about communication because you would be so surprised that people just don't ask for what they want. And, and when I'm with the, these, these people, they, they actually have to have a dialogue in, a, in how to talk about intimacy. And, and I have this couple I'm working with right now, and it's the cutest thing. They, they're trying to have a baby, and she just had a miscarriage. And, there's, and their intimacy went way, way down. And I, I, have, I have them doing date night, like this special date night where one of my patients came up with this date night, and it's in my book, uh, Conceiving with Love, where one partner, it's, it's called surprise date night. That's a little hard. You have to get a babysitter if you have a baby, but it's something couples could really do where the one partner is going to surprise the other one and choose something that they want to do. So it's not about the other person. So like, let's say you're an avid bowler and you love to go bowling and, and you know your partner, like you don't even know if your partner likes to go bowling or not, but you enjoy it so much. You might plan date night for bowling. And then it's like your enthusiasm is so big, they come along. You don't tell them. Or it could be like um, you could go to a little mountain, get a, a book of poetry and because you love poetry and you want to share it with your partner. It doesn't have to be like a big expensive thing. Yeah. Um, they, and, 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 my par- and my patients, are they're doing that. The people I'm, I'm, counsel- I'm, I'm coaching. And it's like I'm watching them change. Because they're spending time together. One of the things they didn't do is spend time doing things together. And, and, and because they have this, like, forced date night, it's creating more intimacy. And that's, and that's carrying over into, you know, we've talked about also their, their, their love life and, you know, and what he likes. Like, you know, she's always instructing him in the moment of, like, what to do with her. And he's like, oh, stop instructing me. Or, you know, just all the, like, we need to talk about it away from this event. And it's just been so glorious. I've given them also exercises to do couples breathing practices. In fact, I just gave a, a couple uh, a, a breathing practice, a, a chakra connection, and they, they just conceived. She was telling me, she's like, it was Yay. when we did the, ch- the chakra merging exercise. And I was like, did I give that to you? She's like, yes. Awesome. So it's just, you know, sometimes, I mean, I have couples just breathing together and trying to merge their, it sounds really esoteric, but really just connecting their energy centers. You know, it's just as a way to start developing intimacy. It's not like just penis and vagina, right? Yeah. It's, it's like, you know, do we connect and how can we feel? Can we, can we be so present in the morning, in the moment that we're like breathing into each other's energy centers and they conceived. I was so excited. That's but so yeah, amazing. so I, I, I think those are good examples of what I do when I do intimacy coaching. That is amazing. And what do you find? Like, what is, what is the, 
what's the process? Is it like a phone call or do people, like, is it an hour long? Is it a weekly? Yeah, I have, I mean, it depends on what someone wants, but it's usually an initial, it'd be like an hour to an hour, you know, hour to half depending and we just we'll, we'll talk about the issues that they you know coaching what they want to talk about so that the idea is I will give exercises and things for them to move it forward and to address issues and I might recommend certain things depending on what's what someone's going going through because people don't know oftentimes like where to turn if they're having issues with pain having sex yeah, yeah? some of my patients have pain and they don't talk about it and that's why they don't want to have sex you know especially after you deliver yeah. you know you, you're breastfeeding be painful yeah so we 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 solution we we problem solve to try to give solutions so people can have more solutions at hand and I love that because I feel like having a third party like you to be able to kind of understand because it's not always like you you don't know exactly what you're trying to say and so where you you have such an experience in this you can kind of sense that energy and be like you know, maybe this is what we need to do or, you know what I mean? Kind of read the, read the energy of what they're saying and find the solutions and answers based on what you hear from all the other couples. You know what I mean? Like to know what they're saying without even them knowing what they're saying. Right. Right. It's, it's, it's really, a, it's a hard big, to verbalize it's it. It's really, yeah, well, it's hard to be comfortable talking about things like intimacy and sexuality, you know, talk about a vagina and a penis and, you know, positions and orgasm and how we like to orgasm Mm -hmm. and, you know, really those nitty gritty of things. It's, there's so much shame around it. I mean, I talk about master, I'm really comfortable about talking about it so I can talk about anything (laughs) and there's no judgment. It's like, you know, and women sometimes, you know, if you talk about masturbation, believe it or not, women like, that's like, Oh, that word, (laughs) you know, people are like, you know, I, I, I don't, I do, or I don't, is it okay? You know, there's like, when did we become so shameful about our bodies that we, we cannot talk about touching ourselves? Yeah. You know, yep. women, I know. You know and, and, and even like exploring the anatomy, do you know that? Like, I think I was 40 years old when I finally put a mirror down there and looked at my anatomy. Like, I don't, <laughs> I didn't even know what it, you know what? I didn't even know where you peed and where your vagina is. Like I didn't get where they were. I mean, I didn't also have a girl baby. I had boys, I have to say. But, like, I didn't, I didn't understand the whole thing. Like, I didn't see it on myself. Like, I don't know why. So, I mean, just helping women to really understand where things are located. And anatomy is really different for women. Not yeah. all women are. So, like, I have women who have shame around their genitals. So, like, you know, some, some women have very long labias. You know, they, like, hang. Yep. And I know, I remember hearing, like, some women just totally, like, I'm so embarrassed. They're long. They're ugly. And I, it's, I was like, oh my gosh, they're beautiful. Like your labias are beautiful and they can, you know, people can tug on them. They're, they're a <laughs> it's a source of pleasure, right? But, but people have a lot of shame around their genitals if they don't look a certain way. And we're talking like the whole vulva and the whole area. I mean, we're grooming it to look right. I mean, there's so much stuff, right? Yep. So, um, yeah. Wow. We talk about all those things. And I love it because honestly, I feel like, even people out there that are listening right now that are like, oh my gosh, it's the truth. I mean, let's be honest. This is the stuff people don't talk about. And that's why I'm not afraid to have this on our podcast, because whether we like it or not, this is something that we all deal with, that we all experience, that we all need to talk about. And what better space than a podcast where you can listen to it <laughs> in your own yeah. private space. But also yeah. I love that I love that your coaching is available even one-on-one, where it's something that maybe... Yeah. Maybe a mom can come to you and talk to you and get that encouragement and confidence before she goes to her partner, you know, where it yes. could be something that maybe she's 
not quite ready to talk to her partner about it yet, but that she can get some coaching and encouragement and kind of understand where the root of it all comes from, whether it's fertility or trauma or whatever. Yes. Yes. And, and we, we're, you know, we have a lot of trauma. I mean, I think just, you know, as women, if yeah. we're talking about women, yeah. um, through maybe our own personal family trauma, uh, but just as women in, you know, discussing this, like we're discussing mm-hmm. um, and feeling, you know, you know, and my grandparents were like, I think my grandmother didn't know anything about sexuality. My grandmother got pregnant, didn't know how a baby was born. Oh. Talk about unempowered, right? Wow. Right? And so this idea that we actually are women and we deserve pleasure is kind of not not that um, not that old. Mm-hmm. It's a rather new thing. And that we're in charge of our bodies, right? Mm-hmm. Me Too movement. It's not just like a right? That we yep. can say yes or no. We can say yes. That's very empowering for a woman. And, um, I think we all, yeah, we come from a lot of trauma, past generational trauma. Yep. And that, you know, if you're religious, there's, there's all these, you know, rules and things and all of that's good. Right. I mean, I, you know, but I want to say that like just the act of having a really intimate hug increases oxytocin. And it's the bonding hormone, right? Yeah. Breastfeeding, you know, oxytocin is when we deliver. But we need those feel-good hormones. We need to get touched. We need sensuality. We need to be touched and loved and caressed. We, all of us as humans, it's a it's a need. Mm-hmm. So that that's part of connection. It's not just all about sort of um, our vulva. Yeah, no, <laughs> I agree. Every, it's yeah. everything, right? It's and so much more things. than it's so much more yeah. than the act of sex. It's so much. So it much, is so more. much more. <laughs> it is. It is. It is. It is. It is really vulnerable. It's about being vulnerable. It's about. Yeah, it's the most vulnerable we can be. Mm-hmm. It, you know, and so yeah, it's a it's a beautiful thing when we connect that with our hearts. So in Chinese medicine, the heart is heart energy is connected with our reproductive energies. Oh, and, and it is, it is, that's like sort of the ultimate. And when, when we make a baby is we open our heart and that energy spills into our reproduction. That's what love is, right? Wow. So yeah. Right. That moment you come together and, and you love, you're making love with your partner. I mean, whether, you know, that gets lost sometimes in that like time chore must make a baby. Yeah. And even <laughs> if you're doing IVF, but it's that, that union of love where we connect our hearts is, how the generations need to get made. And then we have to continue that on. So we raise conscious adults. I love that. I love that so much because I do feel, I do feel like, you know, especially during those few weeks when you, you can't have sex and your you know, your body needs a break from all that right after you have a baby, you can still connect in some way and still have that intimacy. It's really hard for me. I'm not a very touchy person. I'm very, um, I don't know what the word is, affectionate and things like that, but I'm not very touchy. And I, I can, I can tell the difference when I let my guard down and I'm vulnerable and I am physically affectionate. Like I can tell the difference. And I know that that is, that just, it makes such a difference to be touched and to touch, even if it's just, I'm going to walk by you and put my hand on your shoulder when I walk by or just something simple like that, that, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, right after you have a baby, you can't be intimate, but what are some things that yes. women can do during that time period that you, what would you say maybe they could do during that to still maintain or maybe to restore a connection? You know, maybe I just am thinking back on like how I didn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I'm like, um, uh, what should I have done then that I really didn't do? Oh. 
last thing you're thinking about too, right? The last thing you're thinking. Like the last thing, like basically it was like, hey, I'd like whack to the bed and like whack him, like get up, help me, you know, like he'd be snoring through, baby's crying and I'm doing everything. I mean, it was just poor, I just, you know, I think, I think one of the things I want to say is compassion and gratitude. I think sometimes our words go a long way. Like, I don't know, did I ever really stop and like look at my partner and say, so grateful for you. Thank you so much. Look what we made together. You know, I'm so grateful for all your help and I'm so great. You know, just like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I I think I forgot to do that because I was like so in a stupor with with trying to get enough sleep. But I think, I think sometimes looking our our person deep in the eyes and expressing love, not waiting till Valentine's day to do it. But, um, you know, but like this deep appreciation, I feel like that idea of being appreciated, you know, that feels so good, right? When we have gratitude, sort of like gratitude is everything. So to really, to really be in gratitude for this life we created together. And I think even if we can't, you know, reach over and touch or, you know, be sensual, maybe just like our words or, you know, I mean, I, I think we're so fixated on a baby and trying to figure out it's every move. We don't look at our partner either, you know? So maybe a question like, hey, is there anything I, I can do? Like, I'm limited here, but is there anything I question? Is there anything I can do for you? Mm-hmm. Men are tired too, usually. Yeah. They, they're not sleeping either. But it's just like, we're in this together. Is there anything I can help with? I mean, I, anything I can do? I think asking a question might be, um, you know, just that we're, 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 we're noticing them. I yeah. think they need to be seen. Yep. I think we don't see them. At least I didn't. Yeah, no, I believe that. I believe that. That's very common that you just get so zoned in on, especially if you have more than one, to just try and keep everybody alive and in their sports and in their extracurricular activities and get them to school and go to work and all the things. It's like, you know, it is so easy as a mom, at least I'll own this for myself and from my experience, it's really easy to give my husband my leftovers. When in reality, it should be the opposite. Okay, so that's when when your kids are older and they're they're not brand new. It's like you have to, and it's like I'm gonna say this just from my own experience and my my marriage and what I did not do. But people said it to me a lot as words. You must have a date night. You must. You must have a babysitter. You can't wait four years for it. You need to have it sooner than later, and you must attend, even if you, even if you don't think you need to. The best advice I can give is you must attend to your partner. Mm-hmm. Even if you think your marriage is fine and they're fine. Right? Yeah. You have to attend. You have to make them feel that they're important too. It's, it's, and it's not just, your relationship isn't just about your children. Yep. I'm and so I agree. think that's where I faux pas a little bit. Um, but it's really important that the relationship, and that's why some, you know, I'm at the age where my children are older and I'm watching people get divorced right and left. Kids are going off to school and parents raise the kids. They're done with their job and they don't have anything in common because they really, their relationship was so much about the kids that they forgot to put energy on the relationship and a relationship for it to grow and change as we grow, as our kids get older, we must attend to it in a different way. Mm -hmm. Right. Yep. And I do believe so much of that ties down to intimacy and not just, not, not the sexual side of it, but the intimacy of being comfortable enough with who you are to show your partner who you are and allow that connection. And I think that a lot of divorce ties back to that, that you just kind of put up that wall and, and go into the business of making a baby and having babies and you just disconnect. 
You know, you know what's funny is, and, and I, I see this a lot, and yes, yes, it, it, it's intimacy, but I, I intimacy and sexuality, I, I want to venture to say, are tied together. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they really are. Oh, yeah, and this yeah. I, yeah. And this idea of, like, you know, look, I see women, and I'm going to be really frank with you, like, I see women a lot older, too, and they're like, they just are like, I don't want to have sex with my husband at all. Mm. I'm done with that. You know, and, 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 you know, that's, and then I see the opposite. I have a couple I work with or the man, I have to work on his sex drive because she <laughs> wants to and he doesn't. So there's a lot of times there's a mismatch, like mismatch lovers and energies. And, and nobody's like, I think it's that nobody's talking about that and how to problem solve around that. It's just the woman's not dealing with it or the man's not dealing with it. So it's an issue that never gets resolved and that creates a wedge where couples start floating away. They're not together. So, I mean, I, I, you know, it's this idea of how can we coach or how can we bring back the togetherness that sparked the relationship in the first place? Because if you think back uh, when you, hello? Yeah, I'm here. Oh, you're there. Okay. If you think back on where you, um, when you first met your partner, like if everyone thinks back on when you first met your partner, it's like, they're like the light of your life and you just don't want to be without them. And, yep. Right. It's that like, like that, of course that changes after you've been with them for a while. Yeah. But I think men, okay. I'm generalizing men. I'm so sorry. But, um, I think men, like they want that back. Yeah, they do. <laughs> they, they want that back. Women were a little different because we're mothers and we raise kids, but like they want that wife that was excited to see them. That couldn't wait. That was like, oh, what, what, what are we doing? Right. They yeah. want that energy back. They spend their whole relationship trying to get that person back. And I think women are, we're, we're just wired a little different, but I think we, you know, I, I know I had this, this pie that had um, like slices. It was like men, it was like sex, food or something else. It was like three things in their slice of pie. And then yeah. it was this, it was like emotions and this and it, we had all these different slices like we're way more complex yep. you know that idea is if you just sort of attend to your man and of course I know I treat a lot of same-sex couples so I don't even want to be, be sort of gender gender like gender specific yeah. it's kind of but if you attend to your person be it men or women in this care and compassion that you want to give them and take care of them and attend to them whether, regardless of whatever your gender or your sexual preferences, it's really important because that's what we get when we initially meet somebody is that someone's like really happy to see us. So, hey, here's another tip. And someone gave it to me. Um, they were like, you know, dogs are really excited when you, when you, when they see their owner, right? They just like, they whack their tail and they're, they're so excited. That's the same energy you should have when you're to reunite with your partner. Yeah. Like, it's like a dog, like, oh my God, I'm so happy to see you. Like, you know, my partner would come in and be like, hey, can you get the, the, the garbage or can you finish the dishes? Like, I would forget to, like, whack my tail and be yeah. happy. Right? Yeah, so all, yeah like, totally. <laughs> right? So in, in terms of intimacy and connection, that, like, people feel appreciated when you're really happy to see them. Mm-hmm. So uh, I feel like that's a really good, a good a good thing to do. Yeah, I love that. And it's not all easy. It's not easy when you, and again, dealing with the a mental illness and take care of yourself and make sure you're in a good space so you can give that to your partner. Um, but it's not always easy to be, to wag no. your tail, but I try, you know, like, I think it's just, it's like a, it's like a habit. Yeah. You know, it's sort of like, it's a practice. It's like, you know, we meditate as a practice. We, we, we practice this enough. We just get in the habit of stopping what we're doing, greeting our partner. It's like, it's just like what you do as opposed to like, yeah, none of it's easy. Like it's, it's all the things, you know, hindsight is, 
you know, 2020, you know, you look back and you go, oh, yeah, I wish I would have done that, you know, yeah. oh, I, and I'm older, so I can say these things, <laughs> but, you know, I, I'm like, oh, I, that was a good suggestion, I should have done that, <laughs> but, so it's nice to listen to these kinds of podcasts and get ideas so that we can change it up when we're, when we're trying, yeah, but, you know, and sometimes it's just little, you know, if you've got mental illness and there's things going on or postpartum, depression it's hard to get out of bed let alone be happy to greet your partner right yeah so it's it's really like it might be it might not be a, a tail wagging but it might be a smile and an eye an eye contact mm -hmm. like i see you i'm here you know it, but it, but it's the acknowledgement and the connection it's the connection yeah i agree yeah. yep connection and, and it's vulnerability like you said i mean yeah, so much comes down to that. So what would you say, um, kind of the question we always ask kind of near the end of each of these podcasts is, what would you say to a couple out there or a mom or whoever, whoever's listening that's struggling with this, that's kind of lost the purpose in intimacy? One, because infertility, they're just over it. Two, resentment, trauma, whatever, whatever's in the way of that for them or even just yourself on that day when, you know, what kind of sparked you to do this? What would you go back and say to them if you could look at them in the eyes and just give them one bit of your best advice? My best advice is to take a deep breath, connect in with your heart, with love that you feel in your heart for yourself, for your partner, for your child. And from that place, try to connect. You know, sometimes we forget that, like, what sparked the desire to make a baby, what sparked the desire to mate, what sparked it. And usually someplace in there, it's about love. It's all about love. Love is the healing force, isn't it? Yeah. So the, the best advice I can give is um, my uh, Ram Das, who was a, a mentor of mine, just passed away, talked about this idea of loving awareness. And he would do a meditation that said, where you tap your heart and you say, I am loving awareness. And really what that is, is this deep dive to connect in to the love, the love that connects us all, you know, that, that from human to human. Yeah. So, yeah. Love. That's beautiful. I love that. Thank you. Um, how can people connect with you? How do they look you up if they're interested in, in coaching with you? How can they find you? Uh, it's deniseweisner.com and it's my website and there's, um, like coaching packages and how to get a hold of me. They can always email me for more information or, you know, I'm, I'm happy to do like a little free mini consult if someone's interested, especially if they're listening to this podcast. Okay. Uh, there's information on my book and how to get it. It's on Amazon, but it's also, you can, there's some audio links that are also on my website. Okay. That's probably at this moment. And then I'm also, you can follow me on Instagram at Denise Wiesner LAC. Uh, that's my handle. Awesome. So I've got stuff there too. Okay, we will make sure and put that in the description and we will tag you on this when we post it. And I just, I appreciate you because this is honestly, like I said, a topic that every single person can relate to and we're all interested in it, whether we admit it or not. And we could all use improvement on this. So I, I'm just so grateful for you for being bold and talking about oh, the tough you. stuff. So yeah, thank, thank you, you so That's, much. I, I really, really thank you so much. It really means a lot to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for listening to the Rising Phoenix podcast. If you feel like you can relate and would be open to share your story with us, please email us at risingphoenixpodcast at gmail.com. 
For more information on local and national resources for pregnancy and postpartum health, visit www.postpartum.net or www.psiutah.org. We are recording from the Stone Sheba Podcast Studio in Provo, Utah. Check them out on Instagram for more info on our podcast and others. Thanks for listening.